We'll be in Exodus chapter 34 again tonight. We will be finishing up Exodus pretty soon. I know you're saying, some of you may be saying, well, there's 40 chapters there, but uh, here in the next next couple of weeks, we will we'll skip over a large portion of scriptures like we did in a few chapters back. There were a lot of details that were given about uh, the tabernacle and uh, just real specific details and numbers about how things were to be done. Uh, not that those things are insignificant, but they're just not they are not good things to preach and teach through. So when we get to that, I would encourage you to read those on your own. But we, we will be finishing up Exodus here uh, probably within the next few weeks. But we will be in Exodus chapter 34 tonight. Uh, continuing up where we left off last week, we'll start in verse 10. We will not cover all of Exodus 34 because we have already covered part of Exodus 34 uh, when we were talking about Exodus chapter 23. Uh, so a lot of the things, if you read that, and you, you can do that if you would like, uh, we'll read through verse 17 tonight. Uh, but verses 18 through 28 in Exodus 34 is really just to repeat almost word for word of much of what we already have talked about in Exodus 23. So for repetition's sake, we won't, we won't cover all of Exodus 34. So if you wonder why, uh, we, next week we start in verse 29. While we're not finishing, I've just given you a heads up. So if you want to read that before next week just to refresh yourself, uh, the end of Exodus chapter 34 uh, talks about different festivals uh, that the people are supposed to participate in and things they are supposed to do, uh, but we won't be covering those verses in great detail again. But we will uh, cover verses 10 through 17 tonight. So let's pray and we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you tonight and I pray that you help us to learn your word when we read it. I pray that you help us to Soak as much of this stuff in as we can, dear Lord. We read it, and we read it over and over, dear Lord, throughout our lives. Many of us read these things many times, and God, it's we have to because there's a lot for us to kind of wrap our head around. And I pray, God, that we would understand your word better. I pray that you would speak to us through your word, that tonight the Holy Spirit would just reveal something to our hearts that we need to know. And I pray that in everything we do, dear Lord, it draws us closer to you. Help us to learn from your word. Help us to learn from what you tell of your people uh, in these verses. And God, let us, let us learn from, from their mistakes, from the things that they do right and from the things that they do wrong. So I pray that you just uh, guide me tonight to say what I need to say. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Exodus chapter 34, verse 10. Now, leading up to verse 10, we've, we've, we've seen the Israelites. They have been caught up in sin. Uh, God has, has, has relented. He's been gracious and compassionate to them. That's what we saw last week, kind of toward the end of Exodus chapter 33, that God told Moses that, Moses that he was going to be compassionate and gracious to the people, that he was faithful to a thousand generations to those who were obedient to him. So God gave Moses this very encouraging message to let him know, I'm still with you. God was angry with them for a little bit in the chapters and verses prior to what we looked at last week. But God was, was showing His grace to them. And Moses, upon hearing this, said, God, make us your people. We desire to be yours. And that's a good example for us to go by. That's what we talked about last week. So we saw God talk. He, 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 he reminded Moses of who he was. We saw Moses have a 
proper response to the Lord, saying, all right, God, we need you to be with us. We want to be your people. And here again tonight in verse 10, we see God speaking again. And the Lord responded, Look, I'm making a covenant. I will perform wonders in the presence of all your people that has never been that have never been done in all the earth or in any nation. All the people you live among will see the Lord's work, for what I am doing with you is awe-inspiring. Now, God is telling Moses exactly what he's going to do. He's reminding Moses, look, I have a covenant with you. You are my people. We are going to the promised land. God was reminding Moses, come on, keep on the way. You've you've not made it where I want you to go. My people have not arrived to the land flowing with milk and honey. And so he's reminding Moses about the covenant that is made here. And he says, look, when I go with you, everybody's going to know that I'm with you. You guys are going to know that I'm with you. And all the nations that you encounter are going to know that I'm with you. The things I'm going to do are going to be awe-inspiring. It's going to get people's attention. Now, if you remember from when we went back through the book of Joshua, this has been, oh, probably a year or so ago, but we went through Joshua and we covered some of these events as the people of Israel went into the promised land. And you may remember some of the things that I would consider to be awe-inspiring. For example, the the, uh, wall of Jericho fell as the people marched around it and, and yelled and did what God said. Now, that was a miraculous thing. Uh, There's no reason that just a few people walking around a wall should cause it to crumble. Uh, That was not not just something that occurred. That was a miraculous thing that was through the very power of God. Another thing that we saw in the book of Joshua, one of my favorite stories, is the day that the sun stood still. God extended the day for the Israelites. Now, that's a miraculous act. That's something that only God could do. That's something that when the Israelites saw it, they would probably say, Whoa, what if tomorrow there was somebody that said, All right, God, I want you to make the sun stand still so we can do whatever it is we need to do. What if tomorrow's day was 48 hours long instead of 24? We would all be like, What's going on? Now, we as Christians probably wouldn't be as shocked as the rest of the world. The rest of the world's head will be spinning. The world's coming to an end. A global warming, something's happening, everything's, everything's going on. But we know that God can do everything, even extend a day as long as He needs to. So these are things that God is going to do through His people, for His people, to let them know that He is in control, that He is all-powerful. Not only are His people going to know that He's in control and He's with them and all-powerful, everybody else is too. And we see that uh, in the book of Joshua. We see that the other people know about what's going on. In the story of Jericho, uh, the, the, Rahab, she hides the spies that are in the land. Why? Because she has heard about God. She fears Him. She knows that He is a God who is destroying all the other people in the land. And so her, her fear led her into a relationship with the Lord. After all, the proverb says, uh, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, Rahab is a good example of that. And so this that God is saying here in Exodus indeed comes true. His people recognize later on when they see these things that He is with them. It's a good reminder. And also the people who are their enemies see and they know we better watch out because the God of the Israelites, He's not like our gods. He's serious and He's in control and we better flee and get out of His way. 
Now that's a good reminder for us too. We need to realize that God is still at work in our lives. Now we may not see walls around us tumble down in the same way that the Israelites did. And we may not see the sun stand still. But if we are, are, are faithful to seek the Lord, I believe that we do see things that the Lord does. Things that He puts on our heart. Things that happen at just the right time. That we say, can you believe this happened? Just when I needed this to happen, it happened. Or just when I thought there was no hope. Or just when I was down and I get this word of encouragement. Or somebody says something to me. Or I run into somebody. Whatever it may be, there are these little things that may not be as big as Jericho's walls falling, but they're reminders for us that God is still with us and that God is taking care of us. And sometimes we see it in something a little bigger, people being healed. People, the doctors tell them they've got cancer and go back in and they can't find the cancer. Stories like that that we hear. Those are stories that the rest of the world sees and says, hold up. I know that person. They follow Jesus. Now, I don't believe in any of that Jesus stuff, but they follow Jesus and all these people were praying. Maybe there's something to that. And they see these miracles take place and they are made aware of God. Now, God was telling His people, all right, be ready. I'm going with you. You're going to see it and everybody around you is going to see it. So don't forget, I'm your God. You are my people. Remember this covenant that I'm making with you. Now, let's read a little further. Observe what I command you today. I'm going to drive you out before, excuse me, I'm going to drive out before you the Amorites, Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hittites, and Jebusites. Be careful not to make a treaty with the inhabitants of the land that you are going to enter. Otherwise, they will become a snare among you. Now, this, this, this list of, of people that God is going to drive out before, the people of Israel, is something that we are well aware of at this point uh, in the book of Exodus. As the people are going into the promised land, God says, I'm going to drive all of these people out before you. And we are reminded of this every ten chapters in the book of Exodus. God tells the people of Israel that in Exodus, or Moses that in Exodus chapter 3. He reminds them about it again in Exodus chapter 13. He reminds them about it again in Exodus 23. He reminds them about it again in Exodus 33. And here we are reminded of it yet again in Exodus 34. So God is letting the people know, when you go into the land, these people are going to be there. They're going to be bigger than you. They're going to be stronger than you. But I am going to drive them out. That's five times up to this point in Exodus 34 that God has named the enemies. He's named the inhabitants of the land. And He has said, I will drive them out. Now, we are not much different than the Israelites. And that we need to be reminded that God is going to be with us wherever we go. Because if you're like me, and you may not be, but if you're like me, you see things in front of you that are bigger than you, that are stronger than you, that there's no way you're going to be able to overcome. God, how am I going to make it through this? It's over. I'm never going to make it. Everything's falling apart. I can't do it. It's too hard. It's too difficult. And I know God's with me. And I know God's stronger than my situations. But boy, I sure do get down sometimes. I want to give up sometimes. And I think God reminds His people five times here in the, the few chapters that we've read that He's going to be with them and He's going to destroy their enemies is because they were so quick to want to give up. We know that from a couple chapters ago. They were ready to give up on God in an instant. 
And we need to be reminded that God is with us. I have to remind, I preach to myself all the time. Because boy, I get down, I get frustrated. I see things in front of me that are bigger than me. But seeing things like this should be a good encouragement to us. Guess what? God was with His people then. And nothing that they faced was bigger than them. Not the wall of Jericho. Not that there wasn't enough hours in a day. None of the things that they encountered were too much for God to overcome in His time. And that's what we have to remember. There's nothing that we encounter that is too much for God to overcome. If that's where He wants us, and God puts us where He wants us, I believe that wholeheartedly. And if He does that, He's going to be with us if we seek Him. If we don't, if we're disobedient, guess what? We're going to get in trouble. God is with us if we seek Him, and if we abandon Him, we get ourselves into trouble. And we see that with the Israelites. So we must seek the Lord, we must be faithful to the Lord, and not give in to the things that may tear us away from the Lord. Now this is a common theme that we see through these first few books of the Bible as God's dealing with His people. Don't turn away from me, because there's no one else, there's no other God, there's nothing else that can deliver you, that can make you mine, that can keep you safe and put you in a good place. On the flip side, everything that we encounter that's not of God, that's not drawing us closer to God, is not going to keep us safe. It's going to put us in harm's way. It's going to put us in a bad place. It's going to to put us in a place where there is fear and dread and burden and worry and things that just will depress us and things that will uh, make us not, not want to keep going. It will get us so far on a track of sin that we will get way off track. And God tells the people... Don't worry about these these things in front of you, these people in front of you. I'm going to drive them out before you. And then he gives them some more instruction here in the next few verses. In verse 13, Instead, you must tear down their altars, smash their sacred pillars, and chop down their Asherah poles. You are never to bow down to another god, because Yahweh, being jealous by nature, is a jealous god. Now, he says, look, don't make a treaty with the inhabitants of the people in the land you are going to enter. Otherwise, they will become a snare with you. Now, the reason why God doesn't want the people to enter into a treaty or agreement or befriend the people who are in the land is because they are doing things that are ungodly. They are doing sinful things. They are acting in ways that are not good ways. And God says, don't make a treaty with them. Don't make an agreement with them. Don't be friends with them. Now, if you remember from the book of Joshua, they encountered the Gibeonites who deceived them. They didn't spend enough time seeking the Lord, and they did end up making an, an agreement with the people of the land. And so we see they didn't listen to this, this, this uh, warning quite close enough. But God says, look, there are other people there, and they worship other gods, and if you turn to them, those other gods are going to lead you away from me. And then it closes in that verse saying, Yahweh being jealous by nature is a jealous God. Now, we may tend to think of jealousy as a negative, and it can be a negative. But here, if God is saying He's a jealous God, then jealousy is not always a bad thing. Now, if we are jealous because someone else has a better job than us, or more money than us, or a fancier car than us, if it's that kind of jealousy that we have, because someone has an advantage over us or something that we don't have, Well, that's a negative kind of jealousy. God was not jealous of the other gods that the Israelites may worship as if the other gods were better than Him. The other gods were nothing. They were idols. He wasn't jealous in that way, but He was jealous because He loved His people. He didn't want His people seeking after another god. 
In the same way that if a husband or a wife, if your husband was cheating on you or your wife was cheating on you, you should be jealous for that. That should break your heart. You should say, that's my wife. That's my husband. I want to be with them. I don't want them to be with another man or another woman. I'm going to fight for them. And that's what God is saying here, I believe. When He says, I'm a jealous God, He's saying, I love you. I don't want you to be with another God because you're mine. I want you to be mine where I can keep you safe, where I can take care of you. God says, nobody else can take care of you the way that I'm going to take care of you. They're going to let you down. They're going to put you in harm's way. He says, I want you to be my people so I can be your God and I can meet your needs and I can keep you safe. Verse 15, Do not make a treaty with the inhabitants of the land, or else when they prostitute themselves with their gods and sacrifice to their gods, they will invite you and you will eat their sacrifices. Then you will take some of their daughters as brides for your sons. Their daughters will prostitute themselves with their gods and cause your sons to prostitute themselves with their gods. Do not make cast images of gods for yourself. Now God knew the temptation there for idols. Now the temptation is there for us too. We're probably not making cast images of golden calves that we worship. But the, the, the idea of getting involved with someone who's going to lead us down a road that may pull us from God is something that we have to encounter. So he says... Look, be careful around these people. And by be careful, don't, don't, inter, don't intermarry with them. Don't, don't, even, don't even listen to what they got to say. Don't even say, well, they've been here for a long time. We're going to be nice to them. God says, don't even entertain that notion. I'm going to run them out before you. Don't even listen to what they have to say because the minute you start listening to what they have to say, they're going to pull you away from me. And God says, I don't want that to happen. He didn't want his people to be pulled away from him. Therefore, he gives them this stern warning, do not turn to these other people. Do not be around them because they will turn you from me. We have a similar warning in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. God says, do not be unequally yoked. Now, most of the time, we, we think of that scripture as talking about marriage. But in the context, that, that passage is true in all walks of life. What good is it for a Christian to be involved with a non-Christian? Now, that is true for marriage, of course, but it can also be true in our business affairs and our friendships. We need to be careful who we are with because if we are unequally yoked and we are hanging around those who are a bad influence, they may pull us from the Lord. We want to pay attention to the words of the Israelites here, not because we may deal with the same things in the same way that they did, but we do serve the same God that they did. A God who desires for us to follow Him so He can keep us safe and out of harm's way. And when we seek the Lord and are obedient to Him, we are in His safety. When we are led away by idols or by those who may lead us astray, then we put ourselves in danger. God is warning His people to keep Him out of danger. And God is warning us in the same way. Seek Him, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and everything else, it will fall into place. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight and we thank you for these words. And God, I pray that you just uh, help us to learn from what you say to your people, the promises you make to them that you're their God and you're with them. Dear Lord, I believe that you are still with us today. God, I pray that uh, whatever things we may be facing that are bigger than us, that are stronger than us, that are our enemies, dear Lord, maybe you're leading us to a place. Maybe it's not the promised land, so to speak, dear Lord, but you may be calling us to a new job or, or calling us to visit our neighbor or calling us to do this or calling us to do that. And we may be scared to go where you're calling us from what's in front of us and what's ahead of us, dear Lord. But I pray that you would just help us not to 
Look at what's ahead of us, but look at what's with us. And dear Lord, that's you. You're with us no matter where we go. And I pray that you help us to be encouraged by that and to hold firm to that, to that truth. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.